This is Teron Brooks, and welcome back to another episode of Reviews and Done, your number one spot for exclusive interviews with some of the people who paved the way in music industry, film industry, and so much more. This is Reviews and Done. Derek, take it away. What up, world? Once again, it's your boy, Derek Dunn, back with another A1 interview. Now, you know, you guys know that I normally end my stuff with a quote, but today I'm going to start with a quote before I introduce this gentleman. The great Leon Huff once said, a great song has to make you feel a certain way. Songs can make you happy and sad. They can help you fall in love. They have to do something. That's when you get a reaction. So naturally, you know, you folks know that I have a producer on the line. This gentleman is a turkey fan. No ham, because he doesn't eat pork. He's a <laughs> Hawks fan. He can probably take me out, you know, in Mortal Kombat with, with his favorite character. And let's, you know, let's do some name dropping. The Jigga Man, a.k.a. Jay-Z, a.k.a. Sean Carter, Miss Mariah Carey, Jagged Edge, New Edition, Escape, the list goes on and on. That's right, folks. I'm talking about the one, the undisputed remix king, Mr. Carl Solo. Welcome to the <laughs> line, sir. What up? What up? What up, world? Well, first and foremost, man, thank you for taking time out to chop it up right before the um, holiday. Been a uh, fan for years, man, just reading the album credits and, you know, following you on social media and just for you not only being an A1 producer, but also just the um, social activism that you do online and the knowledge that you provide to your fans and to your social media friends. Thank you uh, for that because, you know, it's been a Oh, you crazy caught that, huh? I, I didn't think you months. caught that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a crazy um, six months since COVID hit and with everything going on with the country. And thankfully, you know, not to get political, but uh, yes, the sir. orange one is out of office, you know, so thank you for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Santa Political Podcast, folks. This is a podcast. Right. We talk, <laughs> we talk music, but uh, Carl is very active. Carl doesn't um, argue with anybody. He doesn't call you out your name. What Carl provides when he's talking about politics and everything, he's talking, you know, facts, and he's talking about what's really going on in this country. So just for me as as a fellow black man, thank you for that, for keeping it 100 no on, your, on your social media. No problem. That means a lot, brother. Thank you. All right, so you know, let's go ahead and uh, get right into this this impressive music career of yours. You know, I don't think that folks outside of us, you know, album creators, they really know what you've done. And I think once we get deep into the interview, and I name drop some of these songs you've done, they're gonna be like, "Yo, Carl did that!" Like, yes, Carl did that song. <laughs> some of them I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so many, but not to brag, it's just that. Uh... I had I had fun with them, but it's been a while with some of them. And uh, but uh, I had a great time. I had a, I, I feel like I had a great career and still having one. Oh yeah, man! Like you know, when I was actually doing the research for your um for your interview, um, it was just like going through stuff, and I'm like, yo, man, let me um actually go pull out my CDs and actually go through the booklets and all that to see what else he's done besides songs that I knew. So like some of the ones that I that I found it, I was like shocked that he, um, you know, did that. So yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. So growing up, when did you realize that music was something that you wanted to pursue as a career? <laughs> well, <laughs> my uncle, one of my crazy uncles used to pick at me. He said I jumped out the womb beating on pots and pans. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I started out with, with, uh, with uh, in the church, actually, and credit to my mother for that and she she saw my interest in music and bought me a tamarine I didn't like it I used to put it between my legs and beat it like a bongo so she bought me a bongo from there I moved to drums to uh bass to keyboards and uh and that's when I got introduced in church by a man named uh Ronnie Ricks who is like my big brother he introduced me to a lot of jazz artists and and just listening to those those albums like uh, Stanley Clark, George Duke, Chick Corea, uh, 
combined with my church knowledge of, of music just kind of sparked me into and opened my, my ears and eyes up to a lot of things. And one thing I left out, because uh, I know we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, the old uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> I, uh, I used to love the music from that because it was so descriptive. Like you could hear like Sylvester, you could close your eyes and, and see Sylvester going up the stairs chasing the bird or whatever through the music. And that always was kind of like, kind of dormant, you know, in my mind. And uh, <clears throat> so with that said, I know that sounds silly, but I, I think outside the box and I'm proud of it. So <laughs> uh, all those things combined uh, kind of made me want to produce. Uh, I kind of wanted to be an artist. I wanted to try to be an artist first, but mainly the production and being a good musician at the time was was the heaviest thing on my mind. And my man, Ronnie Ricks, really influenced that. And uh, I had other influences from around my uh, my city of, of Franklin, Virginia, and uh, church people that influenced me as well. And there's a lot of them, too many to name, but I appreciate all of them. But all of them had a hand in, um, you know, um, you know, giving me that that edge and that insight and and you know, wishing to to be more from the small city I'm from. Cool, cool. So you mentioned uh VA, you know, I'm a it's the DMV now, it's north of the VA, but you know, I grew up in um Newport News, uh Oh wow, I used to work yeah, there. Yeah, first I used south. to I used to work at the shipyard, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, small world. Yeah. So, you know, I gotta yeah, ask sir. you, when you were uh Coming up, did that go-go ever make its way down to Franklin VA? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It was it was on and popping. Like, one thing about Virginia, as you know, uh, we got all the flavors from the from the north to the south. And uh, so when go-go hit, that was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was crazy. And it's, we still love it, still, you know. Very, very big appreciation for it. Yeah, and, you know, it's crazy. Um one of my very good online friends I've known for like 10 plus years, my guy, um, Edward Bowser over at soulandstereo.com. He's also from VA down in Beham now. Like, you know, we often talk, you know, but it's like, he's from, um, I think he's from Petersburg, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, Oh, like, wow. Okay. He's from, he, he's from Petersburg and, you know, I'm in Northern VA right outside DC, but it's like a totally different way of life just in how we, um, do things like, you know, the States or the, um, are the same. That's that's another uh, conversation for another day. But I had to ask you about uh, Go Go since you're a fellow VA. Oh user. yeah, <laughs> all those things had influence. I, I listen to everything. I I listen to classical music, jazz, every the country music, all of it. I, I I have a big appreciation for music. Period. But there's just like certain things that influence me, and you know, musicianship. Like I have a lot of admiration for different musicians as well. So. One of the things that I was surprised about in my research since, you know, we're going to, we're in VA was you were in a little group called KCM Inc. back in the day. <laughs> and you were actually linked up with uh, Mr. Yep, 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 Mr. Teddy Riley. So how did that come about? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, then we had, it wasn't KCM. It was Musical Freedom. We were signed to uh, Gene Griffin and Teddy Riley uh, on the Warner Brothers. Now, the album we did never saw the light of day. Uh, it was a lot of weird things going on just to be nice <laughs> yeah. uh, with Mr. Mr. Griffin. And he, you know, he, it was, uh, he was actually uh, Teddy's uh, business partner. And, you know, Teddy controlled most of the um, creative side and Gene was mostly on the business side. So um, during that time period, um, I was very inspired by Teddy. I was in the studio with him a, maybe like three times and uh i just picked up on a lot of uh you know tricks of the trade and you know he he gave advice and um it just so happened that uh our manager was also my production partner on that musical freedom album and his name was over gilchrist and he's the one who put all of that together and and really gave me the boost i needed to understand professionalism in the game so shout out to Orville. Cool. So what about the uh, KCM Inc.? Was that just another group that you produced and wrote for? Or were you actually like one of the members of that, of that group? So KCM Inc. 
was the uh, the group that I was in. I was the C in the KCM, uh, Kevin, Carl, and Mike. What happened was when we left that, when like I said, the album never saw the light of day. So we went, we, we did the album in New York and we came back to uh, Atlanta and <clears throat> we got signed to uh, a record label here called Ichabon Records. And um, uh, this is after we did the album, of course, and we actually replaced the lead singer. The lead singer, uh, he had some problems and we replaced him with one of my really good friends that I started with when I first moved to Atlanta uh, in a local band called Fahrenheit. And so, <clears throat> so uh, his name's Kevin, so he was a K. So we had Kevin, Carl, and Mike. And uh, Mike was from New York and I met him when I, around the same time I met Teddy. And uh, so we did a new album. Uh, we left that label with the same album and got signed to Virgin Records through, uh, uh, I can't remember her name, she's an A&R and marketing up at Virgin Records. And that's how that came about. That's how that, that got out. Cool. So, you know, you're in Atlanta. Sharon Haywood. I'm sorry. Sharon <laughs> Haywood. She would kill me if I, <laughs> if I That's all love, man. <laughs> all right. So you're in Atlanta and <laughs> you uh, eventually end up Linking with uh, Mr. Don Chichi, Mr. JD, Mr. Jermaine Dupree. <laughs> yeah. So, how did yeah. you end up linking up with uh, Jermaine Dupree? That was around 94, 95? Yeah, I think so. Um, however, I actually, uh, when I left high school, um, like I said, I worked at, at the shipyard. I worked three jobs to get to Atlanta. And when I got here, I met a guy named David Kidd, who uh, used to be behind TLC uh, later on. But when I first got here, it was, I guess it was like, man, I'm telling them my age, but it's had to be like 87, I think. And um, so he, I was playing for his church, uh, David Kidd's uh, church. He wasn't a pastor at the time. He's a pastor now, but uh, I was going to his church in Jefferson and playing for the church, you know, keep, uh, you know, keep a little money in my pocket and stay spiritual, you know, and uh so he said, I got this guy I want you, I want to introduce you to. And uh, he brought him to my apartment at the time. I was going to a, a music school called uh, MBI, Music Business Institute, which is also called the Art Institute of Atlanta. And so he brought Jermaine um, to my apartment. I had this little bitty keyboard that would only play one note at a time, which we call monophonic. And uh, Jermaine was kind of blown away at what I could do with it, you know? And so, um, we didn't keep in touch and and he um you know he went on to do silk times leather you know and then he finally got to crisscross and then escape and uh so at the time uh, i was finished with kcm pretty much as being an artist uh we did we made a little noise you know we got on soul train did a little thing that was one of my goals to meet don Canese and be on soul train so we did our little thing and so it kind of, um, that situation dissolved and I decided that I really want to go full-fledged being a producer. So uh, I was working at this uh, computer company called DCA in Alpharetta, Georgia. And uh, David reached out to me, David Kidd. And uh, I told him, I said, yo, like, yo, uh, let me hook up back up with Jermaine. And uh, he made it happen. We went over there around uh, Thanksgiving and uh, we talked had a good time and oh mind you like when kcm did soul train uh crisscross did it the same day but uh they didn't um they didn't put it out you know they edited it out differently but we performed the same day and i got to talk to jermaine then and um so here we are you know a little more than a year later and you know, I'm, a, I'm in his studio and we're talking and I'm like, yo, I need a job. I can't do this. <laughs> if you know anything <laughs> about musicians, bro, we we don't like that nine to five thing. So uh, so I'm doing I'm at DCA and I'm like, yo, I need a job. But he, he says, yo, man, I would love to use you, but uh, I kind of got to feed everybody that's in my account right now. And his main producer right then was uh, Manuel Seal, which is, you know, a really cool brother who dope as hell. You know, he's he's done a lot of hits, too, like, you know, with Mariah and, and so forth. So <clears throat> great guy as well. And so I understood. So I went back to my 
DCA job with a little TMI, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. And uh, almost a year later, Jermaine gave me a call. And he said, yo, he said, yo, um, man, you are not really with me no more. So why don't you know, why don't you come on? I'm working on Escape's uh, second album. And I'm like, shoot, yeah. <laughs> By that time, I'm working at another job, uh, a textile company. And uh, so I, I give him my two weeks notice, but Jermaine is like, yo, I need you now. I'm like, yo, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm trying to, you know, trying to uh, honor my, you know, my thing with the company. He's like, you better come on. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So I went, I went ahead and started working. We started working on on Escape's second album, and uh, and I ended up doing a remix with him on uh, "Give It to You for the Brett," and uh, that was one of my one of my favorite things to do uh, was the "Give It to You" remix with the Brett. She she was fun to work with, down to earth, cool. Don't take no smack from nobody, but just sweet as pie. And we had you know we had a background in you know, in religion and stuff. We used to like joke about church and stuff like that <laughs> while we play pool and stuff like that. So that's how that happened, yo. All right. So before I get into, you know, my favorite group, that question, you know, you mentioned Escape, you mentioned the second album. And one yes. of my top remixes from a female group is the Who Can I Run To remix with the Teddy Riley sample from Escape. Did you uh, play the keys on that one? Uh, uh, the one I did uh, was uh, a sample from um, uh, Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, is Teddy that, Pendergrass. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who can I run <laughs> yeah, to that? That's, I love, I, I, that's another one of my favorites. Like, I, I love the way it was arranged, the, the vocals and and uh, and the beat to me. Uh, that Teddy Pendergrass record has always been one of my favorite records, you know, even growing up. So it was just so smooth and funky at the same time. And I'm always, that was the name of the KCM album, Funky Smooth. But that's, that's always been my, my thing. I like for things to be funky yet smooth, to have that contrast, you know, that combination, you know. Yeah, man, you and JT killed that joint. I mean, even the way that JD just comes in with the Tasha, who you gonna run Yeah, to? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I like, I, I prefer that one. So the original version of um, Who Can I Run To? And like, you know, Who Can I Run To? was such a huge song back in eighth grade. But when that remix dropped, man, and just the way yeah. Jermaine put his vocals on there, like, shout out to Jermaine Dupree, man, for that cold remix and all that he's done for music. Yes, all right, yes, so sir. yeah. All right, so I said I was going to get into my favorite group, which everyone knows is uh, New Edition. I'm a diehard New Edition fan. Oh, and, for real? Yeah. <laughs> Album credit reader. So, you know, you had a chance to work on the ill-fated but still classic reunion album, Home Again, where you did the tracks Shop Around and Tighten Up with uh, right. JD. What can you tell us right. about the process you guys had for Home Again on those two tracks? Well, uh, um, if I remember correctly, it was kind of a, a search thing. Uh, like, everybody... I think everybody expected for them to have the same sound and we wanted to be like slightly different. And uh, uh, we know that whatever we did, the vocals was going to meld everything together, you know? So, uh, so we, we went a little bit outside the, the box of the usual sound because I, my, my favorite uh, things by them was, is when uh, Jam and Lewis did their stuff. To me, that was just, for me, it was just with no top in that, <laughs> you know, because uh, you know, they're kind of like my idols too. You know, I, I really love their production style and the way they've been able to, uh, you know, go through the years and, and compete still. But um, yeah, we, we, we did the shop around and, and uh, we knew it was different. And, uh, but I think we came out with a good product. Uh, they loved it. We loved it and ended up being uh, two singles. So. And you also, you also did a, tighten up yeah tighten it up yeah that was that was that was the one i liked the most because i had that funky feel to it <laughs> yeah and when you all did those songs did you guys have all six in the studio or was it just like separate recording sessions <laughs> funny thing um they always there except for bobby <laughs> you know bobby's the bad boy so he showed up like 
think like two hours late and they was pissed. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> once he got there, uh, he looked at them like he dared them to say something. <laughs> so, uh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, Bobby, <laughs> Bobby, you know, he's cool. He's a character, though, boy. But uh, once he got there, we got to work and we knocked it out. Like, I was really proud of everybody. And everybody was really feeling and and before and to be honest, before Bobby got there, we just had a bunch of you know personal conversations and and about the business and you know who's doing what and that was fun for me because I, I usually don't get a chance to do stuff like that. I'm always so busy looking for that hit, you know. I'm always trying to work, you know, and and so to sit down and talk with artists uh, that was kind of rare for me. Um, them and Aaliyah was was like the coolest, two of the coolest artists to work with. All right, yeah. And Aaliyah's story is going to come later in the interview, folks, because, you know, he worked with Aaliyah, too. So <laughs> were there um, any tracks from the you No know, Edition Sessions that didn't make the album, or did you guys just do those two songs for him? Nah, we went, we went straight to it and just did those two songs. There was no, uh, no choosing nothing, no second guessing. Like, we knew what we had, and we was going with it. All right, so we're going to take it back to Girl Groups really quick, folks. And again, you know, I'm giving you all some history. So Carl actually had one of the first promo singles from TLC's Famo album that, you know, I know it was played a little bit up here. Um, and I'm sure it was played down in Atlanta. So how was working with TLC and having a contribution to their big comeback back in 99? It was, it was awesome. Um, I, I love how each of them have their own personalities uh that kind of they don't they don't clash they just go together but they're all so different you know from each other you know like and i know this too because you know we we've hung out you know i've, I've been over t-bar's house um me chili and jermaine used to go to waffle house after a session and stuff like that and uh once uh left i came over for for uh easter and painted some eggs <laughs> so so i i kind of you know got to know them in a in a very small way but you know still in business though and um but working with them was was a pleasure and i was so hyped to be working with artists so big at the time you know yeah and the song you did was uh my life promo yes. single yeah yes Got and the also idea. Got your Grammy nomination. Yes, uh, we kind of, kind of got the idea from uh, me and my girlfriend. Uh, the Tupac version, I think it's. Yeah. Is, is it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of borrowed from that a little bit and uh, developed our own song. Uh, I, I love, I love the beat, and um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it, it really, you know. Put some money in my pocket and got and got me to the Grammy. So I was like really proud of that, you know. All right. Well, folks, you know, like, as always, when I interview a producer, I like to go deep into that catalog and you know, hit these hit these talented individuals with songs they may have forgot about or songs they may just played a small part in. So, you know, Carl, you, you get to you gotta take go down memory lane with some of your hits <laughs> and tell me the uh, memories working with the artist when you did the song so put on that thinking cap and let's go back into time i'll right. try bro <laughs> <laughs> up first is a song that you didn't write but you played the keys on and that's jagged edge slow motion from their debut what do you remember about that one i i just remember just adding just little light stuff uh that song was so dope from the beginning um uh, so i i barely remember playing on it i could be even wrong but <laughs> I think I think I played on it. It was it was a couple of their songs that I played on uh, because uh, I think they was mostly uh, working with a, a new producer that was coming up at the time called Brian Michael Cox, my man. Yeah, he is so legend. dope. He dope. Yes, sir. And uh, and before that, they was working with Emmanuel Seal too, who I already mentioned before. All right. So you seem to have a you know just a, this kinship with female artists. So. You did another cold remix for uh, a legend, a vocal Bible people. That's Miss Mariah Carey, the My yes. All remix. What do you remember about yeah. that one? Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of Loose Ends. So, uh, and, uh, so when she suggested uh, using one of their songs for that remix, 
I was like, oh heck yeah, you know. She she has she has a a knack for, uh, you know the you know the things that she want to do. She has a knack for picking the right, you know, bass for the remix to me. Was like when we did, I always did my baby remix too, which included the Brett and Escape. Um, it was her suggestion to do uh, uh, SOS Band as the background as the basis for that remix, and uh, I'm like, girl, you own it. <laughs> she fixed all my favorite stuff, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and we did, and we did that at the mansion uh, with her and Tommy Matola, and it was a huge studio. Uh, Tommy was very proud of, and and I I have never seen one like it. It had so much. I'm a gadget man, so just seeing all the outboard gear and all the gadgets there, you know, it's crazy. Loved it. Had a great time, and we shot the video in this studio. All right, speaking of MC, man, you know, I gotta ask about uh, Sweetheart with JD. Take me back to that one. Ah, oh, man, I, I can't, I can't really remember that one, yo. Uh, let me see, Sweetheart. And, uh, I again, I do know that was her suggestion, uh, and uh, we knocked that. I mean, we knocked that out so fast. Uh, she gave me credit too, and, and thank you, Mariah. She was like, God, it's so fast. You know, she liked to call people honey lamb and all that kind of stuff. You better go on, girl. <laughs> all right, here's another one. You know, okay. take me back, back to 96, back to the High School High soundtrack, the Braxton, so many ways. Oh, man. Yeah, we did that at Jermaine's studio. Had a great time. Uh, that was my idea of this old, uh, it's a song. I, I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about it from the jazz standpoint of it, but I think Jermaine, when we talked about it, he, he was coming from more of a, uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Reggie Noble, <laughs> when he did it, when he used it, I can't wait for you, I can't wait to get on. I just love that too, when he came out with that. But uh, Bob James did the original sample and, and that's where I, I got inspired from mostly, you know. Uh, so we did that and the girls did their thing. You know, they went in one by one. For some reason back then, they didn't like singing in the studio, like all together. So, uh, and when I say all together, I don't mean in the booth. I'm like, they didn't want nobody in there, <laughs> you know? So so they would kick each other out and, and one kicked me out on the vocals, wow. you know? Cause you know, I produce vocals too. So, so she kicked me out and she, she stayed in there with my man, uh, Phil Tan, who was, who was engineer at, at the time. And, uh, he's a, he, his name don't get mentioned often, but this, this cat got like many Grammys and the Grammy nominations as a mix engineer. And he do, he do a lot of stuff. He also happens to be my brother from another mother. And, uh, he, you know, he, he actually produced the vocals on that song. So, uh, you know. So that, that's how that went down, man. I mean, you know, it was it was weird to me, but uh, I enjoyed the experience. And they were fun. They was like so down to earth, so hilarious. They 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 kind of silly, as I'm pretty sure people know now when they look at some of the reality shows. But yeah, I had a great time. All right. Well, you folks, you know, we're going to get into Aaliyah last, but a car also dabbled in hip hop. And my music has know that Jermaine Dupri made a, appearance popping and locking back in 85 and houdini's freaks from out of night video you know when he had the the, the juicy jerry curl he was like 12 <laughs> or 13 and about a decade or so later jermaine dupree actually signed houdini and they dropped an album on so so death so carl yep. actually worked on a remix for houdini called keep running back take me back to that one brother uh I can't remember the basis of the sample for that, but uh, uh, we had we had a good time. I, I, for me, that was that was uh, that was crazy for me because I was like a big Houdini fan, and when I was in Virginia, like uh, there was a time where I was I was staying with these uh, very strict preachers, and uh, they didn't like R and B played in their house or or rap played in their house. But I used to sneak, and Houdini, I just kept them on repeat. And then I bought me a Walkman, so nobody knew. <laughs> and uh, 
for for me to work with those guys and 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 to meet them and you know we still keep in touch too by the way uh jalil he's he's one of my facebook friends and uh he's always cool you know he he be dropping knowledge sometimes too and uh but that song uh, it was really fun to work with really fun to do all right, a little bit more hip hop. It's uh, Mr. Uh, Pink Coat himself, Mr. Cameron on rocking and rolling. Ah oh, man, yeah. That uh, do you love what you feel was the was the idea for that uh, from Chaka Khan, I think. And uh, we flipped it in our own way. And and as I explained before, I was kind of influenced by Jeff Lorber, and he used to use uh, this certain sound, and uh, I used that in the sound. Uh, uh, a clav sound. Uh, it sounds really choppy and sticky, uh, kind of like a, a really bright piano or distorted piano sound. And uh, added that in the track, I think that gave it its flavor. And uh, and then uh, then I uh, I programmed the whistle sound because you know in in Chaka Khan's song she has this sound called like ee, ee, like that. And so uh, I programmed that sound in one of Jermaine's module. And I think those two things that's really added to it. And then you know, Cameron came and did his thing and made and made that's, that real nice. So. And last but not least, the late great baby girl, um, one of the icons, Miss Aaliyah on I Got Your Back. Yeah. Man, I miss her. I, I think about her quite often. And I think out of all the artists that I work with, I think she was... Her and Brett was definitely the the coolest, but I had a lot of fun and in, uh, interaction with her. We, what you asked me about before, like we did go through a process of uh, trying to find the right songs because, I mean, uh, she told I didn't know about Timlin, who was in my hometown at the time. Yeah, uh, and uh, he uh, he him and him and Missy they was doing their thing, and she let me hear a little bit of it. I was like, oh snap like i see why you being picky because she was picky brother she was like she was not accepting too much and that was this one song i thought she she should have had but uh she didn't agree as her project so it is what it is and we uh we did uh i got your back um i want to do something freaky to you was the basis behind that and uh we did our thing but uh I had such a good time. You know, I, I mentioned more to come back. Like she was a she was a good player, but she couldn't mess with my sub zero though. And she used to get mad. <laughs> she used to get mad and hit me in the shoulder. <laughs> but yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, and I got your back is on the uh second album. The one that right. um hopefully, you know, folks out there that are Aaliyah fans, they can stop, you know, having to go to YouTube and everything else, and hopefully, you know, they'll finally put her stuff on um, social, I mean, social media. They'll finally put her stuff on streaming platforms, because her first, um, that second album, and then the third one, it's like, we weren't, you know, done with what Aaliyah was gonna do, and, you know, you, all, you always you always have that um, comparison between folks and everything, that, yeah, if Aaliyah hadn't passed away, be honest with me, nothing, I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> But I think I think they would have been neck and neck, and I think that for me personally, I would have seen Aaliyah as you know the Janet to Beyonce's Whitney Houston. Like they're two totally different, yeah, two totally different lanes. Right, Both immensely talented, but two totally different lanes. You know that being said, it's like I couldn't see Aaliyah doing like a uh, um my. Uh, Excuse me. I, I, I couldn't see Aaliyah doing like a uh, if I were a boy, and I couldn't see you know Beyonce yeah. doing something like a Hot Like Fire back in her right. uh, back in her prime. So shout out to Aaliyah, rest in peace. You are missed yes. immensely. Yes. So one of your biggest things is the um is the remix, and you know what I noticed with remixes, man, it's um a certain individual kind of perfected <laughs> it, but we're not gonna say his name. But uh, <laughs> I, you, know, you know who I'm talking about by yeah. the uh, by the laughter. But I mean, yeah. you know, remixes have always been around. So for you, as from from a production standpoint, what's the key to producing a great remix? Because for me, it's like you have to have more than just 
throwing a rapper on there, like, you know, throwing a singer on there, you actually need to go back in and change up the beat or just, you know, make it totally. Uh, yeah, man. I, I, I miss those days. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just really, but I really miss those days where, where you can like really change the music around. Uh, we got to that point uh, in the 2000s where people just started just throwing rappers on it. And I was like, I was like, at the time, I was like, this is a remix? Like, <laughs> like what's going on, yo? I, I really miss, you know, just changing the beat around. I mean, look at uh, Sleeping in My Bed remix. You know, um, we we took the tempo up. We changed the beat. Uh, the vocals was all different, you know, and uh, everybody just really had a hand in it. It was a group effort on everybody. And uh, I just missed those days. Um, but to answer your question, I, I, I think another key is, is uh, keeping in mind, you always keep in mind um, where you are in the time that you do the remix. And like I've, I've named so far like several bases of the songs that we went to. So yeah, we, I think you, you got to combine um, that with the mind of your consumer, like what they like and what's happening today. Cool. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and back in the nineties, it was like when, when you had a remix, man, y'all always change the beats up. I mean, whether it yeah. was you, whether it was, um, you and Jermaine or Puff or whoever, it's like the beat was always changed. That was one of the greatest things about buying a CD single was getting the remix. <laughs> and yeah, because it, it yeah. was always gonna be, it was always gonna be different, right? So, shout out to you, man, for playing such an integral part in my childhood with the uh, with the remix. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. All right. So, from a production standpoint, as a producer, what are three albums you think every aspiring producer should hear just to learn about song structure and how to sequence an album and whatnot? Wow. Um... So many to name, but uh, I, I guess I guess I gotta go to some greats that's you know that's been proven like like Michael Jackson Thriller, uh, Rhythm Nation album uh, with Janet, uh, Chronic, you know Dr. Dre, uh, Snoop Dogg, you know uh, Doggy Style. I just I just thought those albums from a production standpoint were you know really great really well thought out uh really talent based uh and and the mixes on those things were great as well you know um i i just i just think that they were all powerful and and of course you know the numbers showed it you know when you think about album sales and stuff like that definitely showed it and proved it and I'm going to hit you with something, with another fact, since you brought that up. You know, you're the first producer that I've interviewed that didn't say Stevie Wonder in the song is the key of life. <laughs> like, every singer, every producer that I talk to, when I, when I ask that question about, you know, what should they always listen yeah. to, they always say Stevie Wonder in the songs is the key of life. Like, you're the first one not to bring up Stevie Wonder. Yeah, <laughs> I, guess it's, I guess it's a given for most people, you know. Uh, like I said, I, I, I think differently. You know, uh, and and because you did say uh, from a production standpoint, so I I gotta give it from my point of view. You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah dope, and it's though. not always about you know, um, like your life is dope. You can't you can't take it away. You know. Yeah, and you know, like like I always tell folks, you know, well, um, you know, about a month ago, I I was I was having a little housewarming thing a few months back, and um, you know, we were just talking musical. One of my good friends. And he asked me about he asked me about my top five, and I was he he was kind of shocked, you know, when I threw Heavy D in there, and I'm like, well, you know, for me, my top five isn't necessarily going to be who's the best; it's going to be who I listen to on the regular. So right. that being said, it's like a prime example is Eminem. Eminem is immensely talented, oh, very yeah. talented, very dope lyricist, and all that. But yeah. I don't listen to Eminem on the regular. So that being said, you know, he's not going to be in my top five. When I'm right. playing a heavy D more than I'm playing, you know, an Eminem, it doesn't right. mean that you know that he's not not talented. It's just that he's not in my top five. Just like you know, right. I don't listen to um somebody current. Like I don't rock with uh Frank Ocean like that. 
You know, right, I, find right. it, I, I find his music boring, but he's doing right. something right if he has all these fans out there and he's uh, <laughs> doing that thing. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I I felt the same way. You know, I, I everybody, everybody's like, he's she's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> Uh-oh, got an ammo alert. Yeah, he's just sorry about that. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Frank. I mean, Fr Frank's not for um, he's not for everybody. And since, right. you know, since since I've really gotten deep with my reviewing and I've gotten better with you know better with it and how how I critique stuff, you know, I try to avoid um really hating flat out because it's 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 a difference for me in critiquing and in hating. And right. you know, some people do just love to hate on on people in the industry. I mean, it's it's what they get their rocks off of is is hating. So for me, I always say it wasn't for me, but go out there, check it out yourself, and see if you like it. Because you know, everybody has an opinion, and you know, I'm gonna um a certain group that you work with from Atlanta. I I gave. One of their, I gave their last album, their last two albums, I gave them bad reviews because it wasn't good to me. Like it was, it was, it was pretty terrible to be honest. Right. But in my review, I mentioned that I know, I know what they can do. I've seen what they're capable of. So right. the stuff they put out now is kind of an insult to their talent because I get it. You know, it's 2020, it's a streaming age and you want to appeal to a certain demographic However, the real fans, the fans you grew up with, the fans that are making, you know, legit legal money now that actually buy your music and will actually, you yeah. know, buy a physical copy, you shouldn't be doing stuff to cater to people that are just going to go on their phone and listen to your music when it's like, if you put out a CD, say, for like 25 bucks and it's only available from your website, your dedicated fans, your real fans will buy it if it's, you know, the music. Right. Just like right now, if... um. Let's just say that Stevie Wonder was to drop something right now, strictly on vinyl on his website and sell it for like sixty bucks. Stevie would do, Stevie would do crazy numbers. Why? Because of Stevie Wonder, and it's right. on vinyl, and you have collectors. <laughs> but I'm not gonna get too deep. That's that's another uh, another conversation. I gotta get back to your interview. So, you did. Nah, I mean, I, I think it should be part of the interview. I, I'm. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, as a producer, uh, being in the game for so long, to be blessed to be doing it for so long still, and uh, it. I've seen all these changes, uh, you know, as the time go by. And I really, really struggled with uh, this term that people say being dumbed down. Because uh, I, I know for a fact we made great music in, in the 90s and 2000s or whatever. And then for me, at, for a short period of time, I didn't understand what was going on. And it really bothered me. It hurt my pockets. And... And, you know, I'm a, I'm a fighter. So I was fighting against it. And I was trying to keep the younger generation to at least stay in touch with, with what we did. And a, a lot of them didn't, didn't do it. So, you know, you go, you take so many years of, of something being so-called dumbed down. Uh, you know, people used to that. And, and that's what they expect. And so I feel like even today, a lot of, a lot of tricks, a lot of talent, a lot of things that we did uh, are, are missing in this in this in this music today, you know. But like I said, I struggle with it, but I also learned to respect it. I also learned to respect because after that that period of wild wild west and dumbed down stuff, after it started to uh, you know come into something else, and I realized that it, it took a, a different way of thinking a different talent a different insight to develop where we are at today so i have a tremendous respect for the artists of today now the dumb down period you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i have respect but it's small <laughs> yeah and 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 just a caveat on what you're um what you're saying is like you know i'm not trying to come off as a hate or nothing like that i mean i, I right. get it but right. When you look at artists like you know Charlie Wilson and what Charlie's doing, Charlie, granted, Charlie's an artist, a legacy artist that can tour off his old stuff for the rest of his life. But when Charlie does release something new and modern, it's 
a fine line to where he can, you know, still cater to a newer demographic and still cater to, you know, his old fans without, for lack of a better term, dumbing it down or selling out right. just for right. to appease somebody. Because even if you look at the song that Charlie did with T.I., it was still grown and sexy. It was still spiritual, yeah. but it was auto-tune free. It weren't profane lyrics. You know, he wasn't talking about, you know, a girl's anatomy and comparing it to like a juice box, like a certain artist who's going to remain nameless. So I get it. But if you're truly talented and you have the talent, then you should be able to stay true to your fans and cater to, um, you know, newer generations and go there. I mean, look what Bruno Mars did with 24K Magic. And Bruno appealed to everybody. It was it was hip enough for like people like my mom, my grandmother to rock to and my son. So that's what you kind of want to get to. That's like, you know, again, it's not hate. It's just that when I know what you're capable of and I've seen what you do and you've already proven yourself, like I wouldn't expect that Smokey Robinson do something like with with future in 2020. (laughs) It it, it, it wouldn't sound right. You know, right. it, it wouldn't sound right. just like in, in the same caveat. I don't expect like somebody like uh, one of my favorites, Big Daddy Kane, to do trap beats because it's not his style. Right. And Kane yeah. is a legend to where Kane can hop on any beat and rip it so he doesn't have to cater right. to that older stuff. But that's yeah. another, you know, I, I can get deep with this, but I'm not going to. I want to get into Carl's uh, other ventures, which includes film composition. So you had a yes. chance to score two short films. And did that process differ from creating music from artists as opposed to the film platform? In most cases, yes. Uh, I, I got into that because uh, that that kind of dumbed down period I was just speaking of. Yeah. Uh, I felt like as a producer and musician, I wasn't expressing myself. And so uh, I started dabbling in... in in film composition and it just kind of made me feel a little bit more free and able to express myself more i i uh, i got offered to do uh, a commercial for um the Derek jeter uh michael jordan brian jordan commercial and uh i didn't make it but i i was in i was like number three in the top uh 58 producers that did it so i didn't make it but uh it just showed me what I was capable of uh, on that end. And uh, <clears throat> when it when it comes to film, uh, I, I did my first my first one uh, from a director uh, in L.A. And uh, it I learned very quickly that it's mostly about uh, the director's vision rather than trying to do music for an audience of you know for commercialism reasons like it's all about what the director sees and if you can't get on the same page as that it's going to be a rough ride so it's it's a big difference when you're in the studio like uh working on artists is you're looking at it from uh, a consumer point of view uh, you you want to sell records and you want to sell as many records as you can, so you you come from it from that direction of it, and in the films, you know, like I said, like you got to do what that director wants. Uh, you got to make him or her feel what you're doing for the scenes that they've created. And to me, that's the difference. Nice, nice. Well, you know, I want to stay in film a uh, real quick before I get into the hard questions I'm gonna hit you with. Before we close it out, but I understand you're working on this female empowerment film entitled "The Goddess Within." Can you tell us a little bit about that and your scoring process for that one? Yes, uh, that was the, actually the film that I was talking about because I've I've done like uh, four short films. I'm working on the fourth one right now, and uh, that was the first one. And I, I gotta I gotta check and see what what the uh, release on it and stuff like that. But it's done. And uh, uh, we came from, uh, it's, it's weird, like, at, I, I kind of clashed with the director a little bit because, you know, me, you know, I have a little ego with me sometimes, you know, when it comes to stuff. So when people come to me with their films, first thing I'm, I'm thinking is they want that big budget sound, so I'm going to give them that, you know. 
And it, it's not always about that. You know, like I said, it's about their vision of, of what they want for their film. So she was coming from uh, a, like an esoteric type of music feel. And I, I didn't understand at first. And she didn't want any piano, you know, and a, a lot of scores, like most, a lot of, a whole lot of scores, you know, got piano, even if it's a short film or independent film, like that's, piano is mostly what they use. So, uh, and the piano is, so, is such an expressive instrument, you know, with the dynamics and so many things you can do. So I was trying to use that and trying to use uh, orchestra sounds. And she didn't want that. She wanted more of a, like a calm, like soothing, esoteric feel. And, and uh, it, was, it was weird to me at first, but she was dead on it. And, and I delivered and she, she was very proud of her project meant a lot to me because to me that's 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 the thing like it doesn't matter what i do as long as i can make you feel good and that's that's always my key to producing anything like as long as i can make you feel good about your own project nice respect that all right man before i let you go you know i gotta hit you with some more tough questions took you back in time let you tell your testimony and give your truth but i gotta hit you with these tough hard questions you're gonna be like yo man what is uh -oh. this cat asking me see if you uh choke or not and we're gonna keep right. it in the uh we're gonna keep it in the film genre for the for, for these three you know tough questions so okay. between wild style crush groove and beat street what do you consider to be the most authentic hip-hop movie i gotta say beat street ah <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> you disagree, yeah. huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's tough because, like, I mean, they're all like they're all dope, and I probably watch Crush Groove the most because you know because a new edition because uh, yeah, I love in the background, and then yeah, Wild yeah, yeah. Wild Style is cool, but it's kind of low budget. But I mean, Beat Street, man, with Stan, with Stan Lathan did with Beat Street when you have the um joined with a, a young cool Mo D at the Christmas pageant. And then you have the, um, at the end with a uh, Melly Mel doing the uh, tribute to Ramon, you know, spoiler who died in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see Beach Street, especially with you being a producer. So shout out to Crush Groove, Wild Style and Beach Street, three classic hip hop movies. All right. So you're chilling at the house, man. You know, you got some uh, leftover turkey going on. <laughs> you're playing some Mortal Kombat. You get a phone call from Mr. Tyler Perry, and Tyler lets you know that he's doing a jukebox-style musical centered on 90s R&B, and he wants five songs from your catalog that most represent 90s R&B. Which five songs are you going to tell Tyler that he can use? What, what kind of movie is it? It's going to be a jukebox musical, so kind of like um, Rock of Ages, where they sing popular songs, and it centers on the uh, story. Wow. Uh, and I got name three or five? What? Five, five from your catalog. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, man, I can't even remember five songs from my catalog. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, that's tough. I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, uh, uh, feel so good, escape. Uh, you probably won't agree, but I, I'm gonna say, touch myself by T. Boss. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything else, yo. Uh, you you got me on this one. I, I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, I I throw in uh the Mariah Carey joint. I throw okay. in the new edition songs. I throw in um. I'd even go hip hop. I'd even throw in money in a thing with um. Okay. JD and Jay Z, because like you're doing if you're doing a jukebox if you're doing a jukebox musical. How, how I would do it for money in the thing is I have a scene where you have your protagonist. He's, um, I guess he's dating a certain young lady and they're out mm -hmm. shopping and out the blue, he randomly bursts into song, you know, singing, uh, karaoke style money in the thing. <laughs> oh, like... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be dope though. Yo, <laughs> I can see it, you know? Yeah, I try. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, you know, and I asked, um, I asked Troy, 
Troy Taylor, the same question, you know, when I first started out, and Troy uh-huh. got the time too, because like you guys have so many songs in your catalog, it's hard, it's hard to narrow down to those, uh, yeah, uh, those top five. And and sometimes it feels like all of them are your babies, and, and you know, but like you said, it, it's so many of them. Sometimes you know, I I know I did at least uh, what like over thirty at least, you know, pretty pretty good songs, you know. So I'm blessed, man. I I, I love I love what I've done in my career. Thank right. God. Thank Jermaine, and thank you know a lot of other people. Cool. And this last one, man. You know, I'm I'm keep it easy. It's a true or false question. So just listen up very closely. Okay. All right. Up until he sang the beautiful ones to Apollonia in Purple Rain. Was Morris Day cooler than Prince in Purple Rain? Hell yeah. <laughs> Morris is my dude, yo. <laughs> First of all, the time is like one of my all-time favorite groups. Even though on the album Prince played all this stuff, but you know I've seen them live too, and and they yeah, yeah. are dope. But what 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 gets you is the the marketing the marketing of the personalities that's in that group, you know. And then two of my most favorite uh, producers came out of it: Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis too. Man, he, man, but Morris is is funny, cool. You know, just he's the man, yo. There's no cooler than cool. <laughs> <laughs> nah, cause you know, I, I asked that because um, I, I've seen Purple Rain like you know, anytime it's shown on the big screen as as an anniversary tribute, you know, I go uh-huh. see it. You know, when we can go to movie theaters, and I took my son to see it for the it was my third or fourth time seeing it on the big screen. Okay. And I took my son to see it back in tw- last summer, 2019, and so um. Prince is singing the beautiful ones, and you know, we're in a sold out theater. I'm looking at my son, I'm like, I'm like, son, you see that? Morris just, Morris just lost that chick, man, because you can't even, you can't even <laughs> compete with the sounds Prince was making. You can't compete with what he was doing on stage. Right. I'm, if it's me, I'm like, I'm like, hey, look, you just need, you need to go ahead and go with him, go to his house. Matter of fact, here's some cab fare. I'm going to just sit here. I'm going to drink my drink. I'm going to be alone in my pity because when Prince <laughs> sang The Beautiful Ones, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you lost that, Morris. You know, it's, it's no competing with Prince up, <laughs> up until that point. Like, just go. Leave me here. Leave me, leave me, leave me alone in my, in my pities. Just right. <laughs> and drink my drink. All right. <laughs> All right, so you have anything cooking up musically for 2021? Uh, several things in the works. Um, uh, this this chick that's uh, she's been out before. She was more on the reggae tip, but she's crossing over. Her name's uh, Bad Girl Bambi, and uh, I'm gonna um, work with her soon. And a uh, couple of uh, rap local artists that's trying to get their thing together, and uh, and a group from Charlotte. Uh, who doesn't have a name yet, but they're working on it. <laughs> Everything pretty much to be in, in development right now. Um, but I'm still, I'm, like I said, I'm working on another film right now. And uh, and more to come, man. You know, I ain't no stopping with me. I'm always trying to get that work in, you know. Cool, cool. Well, is there anything you want to add? And working fans, find you on social media just to get some of your knowledge that I mentioned earlier in your intro. Uh, okay, uh, well, it's Carl Solo across the board. Uh, IG is Carl Solo, no space, no dash, uh, C-A-R-L-S-O-L-O-W-E. Don't forget the E. And uh, same thing on uh, on Facebook. It's just you got the spaces, Carl Solo. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I usually don't give out my Twitter, but it's the same thing. But uh, I, I really have to update Twitter. I don't really use it that much, you know. I, I, I got I to gotta update it, but that's me. You know what I'm saying? All right, folks. Well, I want to thank Mr. Carl Lowe for taking time out of his busy schedule before uh, Turkey Day to just chop it up. Uh, yes, sir. Like I say, folks, read the album credits, man. Just Google this brother, man. You'll be surprised at some of the songs that he's done. I mean, we we, we really didn't even get deep into his catalog, but it's not, you know, I just, I had up with stuff that I like as a uh, music fan, but I mean, he's worked with so many of your favorite artists that if you don't, um, you know, if you don't do the research, you wouldn't know. 
That being said, I want to end it with a quote, like I always do. Because we, not, because we did not set out to make black music, we set out to make quality music that everyone could enjoy and listen to. Smokey Robinson. Until the next time, done out. Uh, this is Brock Obama. Uh, tune in next week for another episode of Reviews and Done. Uh, with your host, formerly known as uh, DJ Aftermath, uh, but still the slow jam king, DMV's own Derek Dunn.